Barnaby. Why'd you have to do this? I just cleaned it. She just cleaned it's it, than, Oh, my God. I walked in here the other day. I, I walked in here the other day, and I heard a sound that heard, like, it sounded like water spraying. And I looked down, and Barnaby is straight up pissing on the wall. <laughs> like, no shame. Just... He was standing in his litter box, butt against the wall, pissing. Pissing on the wall. Did he, make, I, did he make eye contact with you? Oh, direct eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, my dude, you did all the work. Tessa. I'm Victoria. I'm Emmeline, and welcome to the podcast Shit Faced Facts, the podcast where three college best friends with a love for research and alcohol get together each week to teach you something new. What is everyone drinking today? Today, uh, you go. You may go. I start? May you I may start. Cool. Today, I'm drinking. Blood amulet. Oh God, no! Which is a hard cider, which with raspberry and cranberry, and it's the second time Mm. I've had this cider. I went to the, I went to my local grocery store, and um, uh, we were asking the guy there. I was like, "What's a good cider?" And he's like, "Oh, this one." And so I got it, and I really liked it. And we went back today, and I was like, "Huh, I like that cider." So I got it again. Um, (laughs) Ooh, (laughs) all right. Tasty, tasty. It sounds really good. If it ain't Mm -hmm. broke. Yeah. Don't fix it, period. I have um, a, a friend the, the other day, the same friend from the dog park. Yeah, she she the other day mentioned um, that those, like, sparkling ice drinks, you know those? Uh, I'm not they're, familiar, but... They're, they're, like, <laughs> it's flavored sparkling water, but it's not, like, La Croix. It's, like, good flavor. It's, like, okay, good flavor, right? She was, like... <laughs> that stuff is really good with rum in it. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I went to Sam's today and got a big case of the sparkling ice. They're all like lemonade flavors. Um, Ooh, the one I'm specifically drinking right now is watermelon limeade. And Ooh. it's fucking tasty on its own. And I added some coconut rum to it. And it is fucking delicious. Nice. That sounds really good. It is so good. You said watermelon Limeade. Limeade. Watermelon mm-hmm. limeade. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this fine evening I am drinking. It is called Buchalada. It is from Four Corners Brewing Company. It is a mm. boozy kombucha seltzer. Interesting. Yes, in the flavor raspberry hibiscus. Um raspberry hibiscus. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think it's brewed here in Dallas. So, nice. Yeah, local, you know. Hibiscus cool. is always really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always uh, solid. You know, like, up Washington is, like, notorious for a huckleberry. I've yet to try Ooh, a huckleberry cool. anything. Um, <laughs> wow. So maybe next time I'll get, like, a huckleberry cider or something like you that. You should. All right, Tessa. Here we go. Enlighten us. Okay. There's no reveal today because I couldn't figure out how to do what <laughs> um, it'd be like that sometimes. Uh, so so today, 
Um, I'm going to tell you about the stone tape theory, which Ooh. I don't know if you know anything about it. Victoria, no. I know I know you've heard of it before because we watch Ghost Adventures together, and that's the only reason. But it's spooky. Um, yes. Well, it's not, it's not spooky. It's pretty. Okay. It anyway. My memory. <laughs> um, so my sources are <laughs> a couple of websites. One is, is titled theghostinmymachine.com. I don't know. Oh, my God. Another <laughs> titled spookygeology.com. And then um, a Ghost Hunting for Dummies, written by um, our, our father, Zach Bagans, um, <laughs> which I do own. <laughs> Oh because, God. but listen, it was a it was a gag Christmas gift that Leo didn't think I'd actually read. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and then I started. Reading I thought it. I didn't know it was a Christmas gift. I literally thought you bought it. Oh no, no, on your own volition. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know it existed until like I was sitting at Leo's family's house and and opened it up and saw the cover immediately busted a fucking gut and everybody was just looking at me leo like wasn't on it of course but everybody was just like looking at me and i was dying anyway (laughs) he's taught me some things (laughs) so so to tell you about the stone tape theory i must tell you about uh residual hauntings um this is about ghosts if you haven't gathered that already um Sorry, I burped. Uh, (laughs) Gotta tell you about a a type of haunting that we call residual. It is apparently the most common type of haunting. It's kind of like a film loop. Um, So, so it's like a like say there's a hospital and somebody's saying that it's haunted because they get in the elevator and there's like a nurse in the elevator with them. Okay, and it's just like the nurse going about her daily duties, right? Uh But she's not alive. Um, that's okay. Gotcha. That's kind of what a residual haunting is, which like that one is the whole idea that like every morning I wake up and I think about how whatever I wear today it like could become my like ghost haunting outfit mm-hmm. that's like an example of residual yes okay. correct <laughs> you got gotcha. it yeah gotcha. okay okay <laughs> I, I, I'm hip to it <laughs> yes I love ghost hunting theory let's go <laughs> <laughs> haunting theory um but but yeah that's and that's that's the one type of haunting that I'm like Okay, maybe maybe that happens. Maybe that happens. I I think I could believe that, but not super. Anyway, um, it usually happens in places that have experienced certain events. They could be traumatic events like war, or some other type of violence, um, or just something with negative feelings around it. Um, or it could just be like a really repetitive event. Like, mm. um, Emmeline, if you were to, uh, uh, like, you wake up every morning, you wake up and you go straight to the kitchen to make coffee. Maybe when you okay. die, you you wake up and you go to the kitchen every day gotcha. and somebody, okay. like, sees you doing that. Um, yes. and Just like and, these little rituals that we have in life. Yeah, yeah. And become these... our prison in death. What <laughs> <No. laughs> if Emmeline's the prison line. in death is her just having explosive diarrhea? <laughs> 
perfectly <laughs> possible. That's my prison in life, too. <laughs> oh, God. It's just a prison. Um, so so the, 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 these types of hauntings are the basis for the stone tape theory. Um, the stone tape theory has been written about for, like, 200 years, but it wasn't always, like, called the stone tape theory. Um, so I'm going to tell you about that. In 1838, long time ago, Charles Babbage, uh, w- that was, like, the earliest mention of quote-unquote place memory, which is basically just another name for a residual haunting. Um, and then... In 1885, a woman named Eleanor Sidgwick, who was a physicist and also the president of the Society for Psychical Research. I find the Society for Psychical Research pretty wacky, and I love them. (laughs) That's a nice word, psychical. Psychical, it's just, you know... Um, a, a, a fancy name for ghost hunters that makes them sound more... If, it sounds like if you took the science out of psychological. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah, Eleanor Sidgwick wrote about, like, something in a building itself causing, like, a hallucination or something of that sort to where you see people who are not alive anymore doing things um, in the place where they did those things. Um and then in 1888, Edmund Gurney, um, in the Journal of the Psychical uh, Society for Psychical Research, um, wrote about like impressions rather than a strict mm. haunting. So it's like okay. impressions in the material of like the walls, oh, which okay. I'll get a little more Oof. into later because it's. A lot. Um, (laughs) And then in 1939, H.H. Price in the, uh, oh gosh, in Haunting and the Psychic Ether Hypothesis um, said that memories get like pinned to objects and (laughs) reveal themselves to people that are sensitive to the paranormal or supernatural. I have to say, I don't think that's me. I don't think that has ever been me. Mm-hmm. And thank God. Yes, correct. <laughs> but, to okay, here's the thing about that statement is, to me, that suggests that whatever memories that are pinned to an object, like the memories themselves have some sort of consciousness to be able to be like, that one, and then reveal themselves to them. <laughs> um <laughs> Need an answer, uh, Zach Bagans? Get on it, because um, I'm not Bagans, gonna fucking if you're do it. Listening, if you, please, please, dear please. God, I hope he's listening. <laughs> it's his Email favorite podcast. Facefacts at gmail.com with your answer. Thank you. You can come on as a guest if you if you want. No, we're forcing you. Get on here. Give me an answer. So the the name the actual name the title Stone Tape Theory comes from um, a play that in nineteen twenty and whoop, not in nineteen twenty two nineteen seventy two on Christmas Day they like filmed the play and aired aired it on the BBC um, is a play by Nigel Neal called the Stone Tape. Um, 
and it's about a team from an electrics company that move into an old house to like do some renovations on it or something and during those renovations they find like a hidden medieval stone staircase and they were like it, it was a staircase in a room now we're both stone and some like weird <laughs> shit happened some like haunty shit happened oh. um uh, also, the movie is on YouTube, so I think we have to watch it. <laughs> oh, absolutely! <Shit>. And uh, <laughs> and it, it was the first to give a name to that type of residual haunting, saying that the memories of the room, both sounds and images, are stored in the actual stone of the room and the stairs. They're so, absorbent. <laughs> they make <laughs> slow, hard sponges, you know? Um, so so the, the actual theory has been written about regarding, like, or in, like, more than one element. So I'm going to start with stone, and then we'll go to something else. Because um, mm-hmm. the stone is the most boring one, so I'll just get that out of the fucking way. So, okay, fuck you. <laughs> fucking stone. Um, so the stone has to be, like, specifically crystalline rock. Um, and, and the idea is that that kind of, that type of rock can capture the energy from an event. (sighs) I just, anytime anybody, anyone, which energy is the, is a word that is most, like, it's used so much in regards to, like, hauntings and shit. And it's like, how can you even, it doesn't make sense. Anyway, um... (laughs) Mostly quart. It happens with mostly like quartz stone. Uh, limestone is also mentioned. Is that happening? Whatever. Um, mm. And then a traumatic event happens, and oh, no. the uh, and the traumatic event pretty much becomes the electrical audio signals that ha- are in like an actual magnetic tape recording. That, that's the idea is that like like the tape recording has an audio signal and so for this stone the traumatic event is the audio signal for the stone okay. is it because there's like so much energy in a traumatic event that it like turns it it just like flips the switch turns it on I fucking guess so <laughs> I don't have a concrete answer for you. Um, this is why we need you. Zach, exactly. <laughs> get on here. Um, y- yeah. Uh, and then the playback of the event is presented to someone who is sensitive to paranormal activity or when certain conditions are met. Um, okay. I don't know how any anything decides the conditions. I don't know what the conditions are. Again, I feel like it suggests that the memories have a consciousness themselves which I do need to know about. Um, the moisture in the room. <laughs> the, right, the right moisture. Mm. Is it humid? <laughs> the people inside the room, are they wet? Um, <laughs> so, so, so that's the stone tape theory in stone. Boring next. Um <laughs> Now, the theory in water is where it gets really like, ooh, what the fuck? Um, Okay. Okay, so uh, apparently, this is what is from 
uh, the ghost hunting for dummies book. Um, apparently, like, uh, and either or both of you may know more about homeopathic medicine than I do, but this is what is okay. Apparently, with homeopathic medicine, um, it's like a subs- You take a substance that is toxic by itself, but then you dilute it a lot. And then it basically is just water. Like, the substance has been diluted so much with water that it is basically now just water. Um, This connects. Hear me out. Um, Okay. I I didn't really know anything about homeopathic medicine before, so that may be Mm. completely incorrect. I'm not sure. Um, It's all coming from Daddy Zach. My my thought is... If you do that to anything, it becomes basically water. <laughs> yes, yes. All water is basically just everything diluted ever. <laughs> <laughs> All water is just water, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, <coughs> again, oh no, you good? <laughs> I'm sorry, the booch attacks. Oh, <laughs> no. Not the booch. <laughs> um, and then, okay, so it connects to the next thing, I promise. In the mm-hmm. 1980s, Somebody named Jacques Benveniste invented, like, an allergy test. He put, like, a certain type of dye in the blood cells and then introduced an outside substance and then counted how many cells turned blue from the dye um, to determine whether there was an allergic reaction. Uh, Yes, sure. Um... You could probably look it up if you want to know more specifically things about it. So, one time, a technician reported that, like, a solution for one of the tests had gotten diluted too much, um, to the point of, like, homeopathic medicine, a.k.a. just water, I guess. Um, but when the solution was, like, introduced to the test, um, it continued to react as if a substance besides water was still present. So, the only explanation that they could come up with was that water has memories. Okay, (laughs) yes. Oh! (laughs) I have heard that before. That, like water has memory like in the ocean or something i don't know too much about it but i have heard that okay before. and then but please again it. i feel like it suggests that water has a consciousness and i'm really worried about that <laughs> <laughs> not to cast doubt on the extremely scientific <laughs> methods of ghost hunting and but when were these experiments, if you can call them that, not to be rude to these <laughs> people, when were they? When were they conducted? This, this one specifically, I because think, was like in the we 80s. we didn't know what a okay ah uh, okay I listen all I'm saying is we didn't know what a germ was in 1913. <laughs> um, we pro- we we barely knew that lead and gas was bad for us in 1980. <laughs> so maybe just like. <laughs> Maybe just like we've advanced since maybe, then. Maybe I do. I do have something to say about that just a tiny bit later. Okay. okay. Um, All right. Gotcha. And and it is it is in reference to the fact that this is called a theory. So okay. So okay. anyway, that that happened. And then in the 1990s, uh, Doctor Masaru Emoto did some quote unquote experiments. 
Um, he hired okay. photographers to take pictures of water after being exposed to different emotions. So, like, Bruh. when he screamed <laughs> okay. or yelled or was, like, angry to the water, it froze into harsh or jagged crystals. Um, but if he spoke lovingly or played okay. music or read poetry, um, it was... <laughs> they formed, quote, beautiful tranquil crystals, which I feel like has more to do with the sound waves than, like... <laughs> I was gonna say! <laughs> also, very subjective. Yeah, to say beautiful and yeah, like, tranquil. Is this, what is a tranquil crystal, motherfucker? Is, like, is, it the, is it the same photographer taking these pictures? Is, like, one photographer's style is more jagged <laughs> than, than the other? Like, there's also, you gotta factor Does that. He, like, is there a control photographer? <laughs> group of just like in the next room a bowl of water that no one has talked to i i'm not sure (laughs) fuck wow um so (laughs) get him on the show i might have to google him see if he's still alive um so (laughs) the idea is that an event can imprint or certain emotions can imprint on water just like a substance in homeopathic medicines um but as we all know water fucking dries up right there's an ex there is an explanation for that too which is that Uh, for evaporation no for the the memories staying in the same spot after the water has evaporated yeah okay thank you so the idea is that the original molecules transfer the memory to neighboring molecules. <laughs> and so oh, the memory... For how long? I, okay. Like, those molecules are next to right, other molecules. Right, So, so okay. Huh. I have thoughts. Um, so it does say, okay, like, okay, okay they, the, the memories may get weaker as they get transferred, but they still exist even if the water is gone and so like water can get oh um okay even if the water is gone i feel like if like okay memory is in water and then it gets transferred to like wood water evaporates the memory Mm -hmm. is still there i feel like it's a type of half-life you know what i mean am i saying the right thing okay you know that science thing okay cool (laughs) yes yes it's it's a type of half-life so from from the water to wood it is half-life of that and then wood to something else and and then it's another half-life so it's like half weaker sure i don't think it's i don't think it's real (laughs) But I, I have been thinking. Okay. All right. So, Full disclosure. <laughs> in case you couldn't tell. Um, so, yeah. The, and then the idea is that, like, water can get trapped in walls. <laughs> and so the memories are the water that's trapped in a wall. And then... We we just call that black mold. <laughs> but if you want to call it memories. <laughs> and then if there are renovations on whatever fucking building, it can disturb that and release the memory or the tape. And, and, then, and then you get fucking haunted. So really think about it if you're going to renovate your house or wherever you live. Oh, Don't do it. Nah. So, okay. The, ne- the next one I read, that's it in water. Which, that's the most wacky okay. and like, this is so dumb. I love it. You know, that's, yes. 
it feels yeah it feels very very pseudo i feel like it is how do i say i feel like it is like an artist's under like vague understanding of how <laughs> science works yeah but like before we taught chemistry in high school like that kind of thing <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> um <sighs> it's interesting it's in- it's interesting <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it's interesting to read about because you're like what the fuck um and and that's why it's interesting i would just like to go back to my uh, my poop ghost theory mm-hmm. because do you I, think there's memories in your poop? i just want to i was gonna say is it is it touches uh, because, water that's true it does touch water are oh there my god there are memories poop? in your poop when it touches oh the god. water it it disturbs it oh my god and that's what releases uh-huh. the memories this is from true your poop well, yeah, it makes it angry, and that's that's how that's you talk how you to your talk poop, to your poop ghost. ghost. That's how you can shake your hand. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. So, so <laughs> the, the one th- element that I didn't write down was the stone tape theory and poop, but I'm glad that we covered that. Um, <laughs> oh, thank God! The, no stone unturned no here. No at poop shit nugget facts. unturned. <laughs> <laughs> no shit unshat. <laughs> On shit face. No turd unturned, if you know what I mean. Um. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Okay, um, so the, the only other element that I wrote down, and it's not very much, is the stone tape theory in wood. And so I, I, mm. I couldn't find, I looked in in um, the Zach Baggy book and couldn't find anything about it. And I googled it and couldn't find anything about the stone tape theory in wood, but I swear to fucking God that... On Ghost Adventures, I have heard Zach Bagans say something about the stone tape theory and then say that, like, yeah, it's, it's like memories can get stored in the oils in wood. <laughs> and then... What? And, uh, that's, that's a I know. And, and, but that's what made me want to look it up is because, like, I heard him say it and I was like, what the fuck does he mean? What does he mean? And I had to know. And that's why I looked it up. So maybe maybe it's something okay, similar okay. to, like, the water thing. And it's just the oil in wood instead. I don't know. <laughs> so so the next part is the part that that uh, you kind of started to mention, Emmeline, is it's that is the stone tape theory actually a theory? Um, the answer is no. It is it is just a <laughs> fucking guess. There's no way to like study it. There's no way to test it. You can't actually make yeah. any like experiments and like record it. Whoa, 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 Tessa. Did you miss the part where you talked about the guy who set up the water <laughs> and just did and, and just and screamed at sound it? waves out of the fucking window? Oh my god! But but yeah, and then and then I found something. I ended up not really writing anything about it, but I f- I found somebody who did like a performance art piece that had something to do with the stone tape theory and then i couldn't actually find okay. very much information on it i there was a video and i clicked oh. on the video and it was just an interview with the artist and i was like i don't care um <laughs> i right. wanted to watch the thing um yes but i did find out that that performance art piece was like six hours long and i was like oh maybe oh. not um but yeah. but people do kind of fuck around with the stone tape theory i guess and uh yeah, Zach Bagans uses it as excuses to say that uh ghosts exist. And that's the stone tape theory. 
Do you think Zach Bagans? I think about him all the time. High school. Do you think he had high school chemistry? Um, I don't think he paid attention. Ugh, let me find out where this kid's He's from. from somewhere in Indiana, I think. Indiana or Illinois. All right. I do not believe he got chemistry education. Let's see. Actor. Museum operator. And yes, author. yes. I mean, I have the book. He was born in Washington, D.C. and raised in Glen Ellen, yes. Illinois. <coughs> All right. Excuse me. Oh, a multicultural man. <laughs> When was he born? Uh, How old is this man? He was born in 1977. Okay. In the 1990s, I think in like 99, he worked at an AT&T store. I found that out recently. Oh, whoa. (laughs) Big baller. Um, Oh, also, I found out like 20 minutes ago, I looked at his Instagram story. He owns... You know how James Dean died in a car crash? He yes. owns the axle no. from the car what? that James Dean died oh in. And he has it in his haunted museum because it is, quote unquote, oh an important piece of historical automobile something. So he felt the need to buy. Oh this man God. has too much money. Listen, it's too much. Yeah. Okay, um, <laughs> I will admit, uh, I had a little bit of a stump this week. I had no idea what I was mm-hmm. going to talk about. Okay. Um, and so I was like, what's something I find relatively interesting? Mm-hmm. But like, so I thought, okay, I'll just do Y2K, right? Sure, that, you know? that's pretty okay. interesting. Um, Y2K. And then, I, and then I thought like, but most of the people, <laughs> most of the people who listen to this podcast either experienced Y2K or, like, just or already not born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. or, yeah. Oh. So well, like, most oh. of our listeners are, like, our age or a little above. Yeah. Okay. So, I was like, why? why? I don't know what to do then, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna do, do it. Do it anyway. anyway. And then okay. as I was researching Y2K, I found something way more mm-hmm. interesting. So, today, okay. I'm talking about Bonzi Buddy. What? the fuck is Bonzi what Buddy? What is that? Well, I <laughs> So, my sources are two YouTube channels called Nation Squid and The Science mm-hmm. Elf. Um, they helped me a lot, so thank you. Um, so, Bonzi Buddy, or just Bonzi for short, was a desktop assistant program from the early 2000s. So it's like a, a beta, beta, beta version of Siri. Oh, you know? Bonzi oh, okay. Buddy. It's a buddy, it's Bonzi. Okay. Yes, bon- Bonzi Buddy. I thought it was so a it can do it things like set reminders, keep track of your, keep track of your calendar, okay. um, like give you alerts on holidays and stuff. Um, also had a built-in search engine, but you could also play games and it would tell you fun jokes and fun facts. Oh, um, fun it jokes. It would read your emails aloud. Basically. Yeah, basically, it's like a digital personal assistant, right? right? Harmless. I feel like this is going to go wrong. A a cute little purple gorilla named Bonzi. So what could possibly Um, go wrong? How could such a cute, harmless purple gorilla cause over a billion dollars in malware damage? It could beat me up. Oof. (laughs) (laughs) So so let's, let's go back to the 1990s. Great year, okay. right? 1990? I it wasn't was, there. Um, but, yeah, it... Yeah. Oh, I... Well, 
I was neither. Can we get your your old Emmeline? We get it. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) So, computers were becoming something accessible by everyone instead of just like a niche community and businessmen. So, everyone had their like little little home computer, um, and it was becoming so accessible for. All people, all ages, even grandma knew how to use the computer. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> and all even of this grandma. was thanks all of this was thanks to Microsoft. Specifically Microsoft, um, their operating system Windows ninety five and Microsoft Office. 97. Oh my god, a classic, um, truly. Classic. Yes. Honestly the best Windows. Um I won't stand for Windows XP erasure. But sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, she has hard opinions. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Microsoft wanted to uh, create a digital personal assistant software to make using the computer even easier. Um, and they were inspired by a study that was done by Stanford University that theorized that people subconsciously treat computers like human beings. So naturally, okay. it would make sense for there to be s- something in the computer that could talk back to you, kind of. Um. Um, <laughs> so they had a bunch of programs they created, such as Microsoft Bob, which was like a program you would install into the operating system to make everything look like a house. So if you wanted to change okay. the time, click on the clock. If you want oh to, I don't know, set your password, click on the door. Um, it didn't go well, yeah. That's <laughs> reason why you've never heard of it. Um, <laughs> uh, and they also had little characters called, like, Petey the Parrot, which was a green little parrot, and everyone's best friend, Clippy! Clippy! Uh, gone too soon. <laughs> the actual classic, the true classic Clippy. Rip a yes. hero. So we may, we remember Clippy fondly now, but back then, everyone fucking hated Clippy. <laughs> yeah. He was a nuisance. Um, Yes, so a lot of people didn't like these programs because they were seen as annoying, patronizing, and just a nuisance overall. Um, so enter player two, Bonzi Software, which was a software company created by brothers Joe and Jay Bonzi in 1993. Hey, Bonzi! Hey, forget <laughs> about it. Um, <laughs> Bonzi. <laughs> So, the first program that the Bonzi Brothers created under Bonzi Software was one that would let you send voice messages through email, which became super popular, Hmm. even though you could literally just pick up the phone that you were using to connect (laughs) to the fucking internet anyway, and just call the person. No! People liked it, because it was over the internet, and it was cool, because you could send voice messages over the internet through an email. I mean, um, that's kind of what Snapchat is. Yeah, well... Well, there's video involved there, too. I could Hang just on. FaceTime you guys, voice. though. <laughs> but then, you look, when you snap... a voice memo over email? Over email? When you Snapchat yeah. us, though, I can watch that at my convenience. You know what that's I mean? True. But yeah. if, you, if you try to FaceTime me and I'm, like, at work, I'm like... Then I'll never that's know. All right, all right, yeah. good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe that's the so convenience of the email. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was their Snapchat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Bonzi Software became a really popular company, um, and they followed up this 
voice, this email voice memo thing with um, Bonzi Internet Alert, which was a firewall, and Bonzi Internet Boost, which like boosted your internet speed. So they had little programs like that too, which were also popular. But Bonzi Software also thought that they could perfect the digital assistant that Microsoft failed to create. Thus introducing Bonzi Buddy. Oh no. This was their hubris. <laughs> too close to the sun. Mm-hmm. What I almost said so, when said there was a uh, flu clue toast to the sun. <laughs> <laughs> one, one flu one flu clue toast to the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, so uh, the same people who didn't like Microsoft Bob or Clippy liked Bob, like Bob's buddy. Bob. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Microsoft Bob. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> that yeah. was terrifying. Press the home button. <laughs> that, okay. I, I used to do that to freak my brother out all the time. It's like already <laughs> spooky. Uh, <laughs> Ghost Adventures, um, watch your back. <laughs> uh, they like the fact that Bonzi Buddy was free. It was a free download that, is good. that you can yeah. install onto okay. your Windows operating system. Okay. And Bonzi Buddy also popped up at the perfect time when nobody knew how the internet worked and also <laughs> no. didn't know how to easily point out which programs were good or bad. Oh no, um, they were vulnerable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Bonzi Buddy originally used the Microsoft character Petey the Parrot, but obviously like copyright infringement so they're like okay so they created the purple gorilla bonzi that we all know and love today Mm -hmm. i love him um yeah (laughs) i don't know him but i love him (laughs) thousands of people started downloading downloading bonzi buddy and they were instantly enamored with the program it stood apart from the competition because of how easily personalized it was so when you first started up it would ask simple things like your name your age, your home address. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Your home address. Okay. Your social security number. number. Your bank your routing number. number. <laughs> With the, the three digits on the back. Mm-hmm. Your oh. mother's maiden name. <laughs> your first pet's name. <laughs> <laughs> your third grade teacher. <laughs> um... So yes, we th- this obviously seems fishy now. Like we wouldn't just like type in our home address willy nilly, you know. I mean, I don't um, know. <laughs> I've done some pretty some pretty uh, sus shit willy nilly on the internet. <laughs> oh, I've girl. done some serious <laughs> online shopping. <laughs> no, but some back then, serious then, online shopping. Oh my god, it's serious. <laughs> it's for your birthday, Emmeline. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but obviously back then they didn't know of like malicious software or anything like that. So they, they didn't see that as a, a, a red flag immediately. Yeah. No one batted an eye at the fact that Bonzi Buddy was spyware <laughs> Womp. created by Bonzi software so they could, so bon- when you downloaded Bonzi Buddy, it installed a backdoor Trojan horse. Oh no. Which would take your personal information no. on the Bonzi software database so that Bonzi no. software could sell this information to ad companies. Dang. Wow. They were, okay, listen, 
I don't know if they knew how ahead of their time they were. Because that <laughs> exactly. shit is like a huge market now. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So like as like like I said, like nobody knew that this was the direction that the internet would go wow. in back then. Because they just saw internet as like, ooh, fun games, ooh, email, ooh, ooh neopets. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, Bonzi Buddy was uh taking your information, selling it to ad companies without your consent. In case you used Bonzi Buddy and you didn't know. They were definitely taking your information. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's probably a class action lawsuit out there. If you want yeah. To if, have you uh, been personally victimized by Bonzi Buddy? Bonzi, please send us an email if you have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it Buddy also installed like programs onto your computer without consent. There would what? be annoying pop-ups that would appear on your desktop saying like, your computer nice. is at risk. Download Bonzi Internet Alert now. Oh no. no. And they would and Bonzi Buddy would also repeatedly change your homepage and your default search engine to the Bonzi website. Oh um, god. So oh, that's the Bonzi- worst offense of them all. <laughs> Imagine if Bing.com so, did that shit no. to you. <laughs> oh my. God. I would never use a computer again. Right. <laughs> so, not only was Bonzi Buddy just spyware, it was also adware. And malware. Oh God! Um, they did it all. The the holy trinity, <laughs> triple threat. <laughs> Father, oh. Son, and Holy Ghost. <laughs> okay, I'm done. It's okay. Um, with this news coming out, people were learning about internet safety, and they started paying more attention to everything that they were downloading. They were on the lookout for the Bonty Buddy virus, even though. Technically, it's not a virus because viruses are meant to actually like uh, replicate themselves and spread to other computers, which Bonzi Buddy didn't. But they also, with the Trojan Horse, the backdoor Trojan Horse, they would like let other malicious programs such as viruses get onto your computer. So technically, it can be called a virus, but it's not actually a virus, you know? Man, that shit would have been fire like, for mining Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. They really so missed. They were like, like just. Can you sorry, still download it? Is it illegal now? Hang on. I'm getting. I will get there. Okay. Oh, 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 sorry. We don't want to spoil yeah, it. Yeah, maybe you can no, mine no, no, Bitcoin okay. later. If it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with Bonzi. Buddy. With Bonzi, buddy. I do not have the f- means to pay for that electricity bill. <laughs> no. <laughs> so yes, all these things were happening. And then in 2002, Bonzi Software faced its very first first uh, their, its very first class action lawsuit for the misleading pop-up ads, and they were ordered to give $500 to each user who encountered one, and another $5 for each ad impression. So that added up to about $1.6 billion. Oh in my reference. god! Um, but people rec- but the the legal system recognized that this was a ridiculous amount of money. So they settled for $175,000. Oh, come what? on. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, fuck them. They, they don't sue people like they used to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Bonzi Software removed most of the pop-up ads. Not all of them, just most. Oh, God. Um, and they laid low for the rest of their run. But... This didn't stop their spying tendencies and faced yet another lawsuit in 2004 for um, 
violating the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act of 1998, or COPPA, because most people using computers were minors, and Bonzi Software was selling minor infor- these minors' information to ad companies Shit. without their parents' consent. Yikes. Yeah. Shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Bonzi Software was forced to pay about $75,000, which was the final nail in their coffin and ended their 11-year run. So RIP Bonzi Software. RIP. Wow. What a flimsy nail. three to 2004. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Damn. So, Good Bonzi, Buddy, Bonzi Buddy died along with Bonzi Software, um, and each new Windows operating system that came out after Windows XP, like, would not support it. Good. Oh, though, so it's not it illegal, but it won't support it. I mean, from the actual Bonzi website, no, it won't support it. But uh. there are plenty of third-party websites where you can download it. It just won't steal your information because Bonzi software doesn't exist anymore. You'll still get oh, the pop-ups, gotcha. but they'll just lead you to like a like a dead website, like a dead link. Oh, I just googled him. The little gorilla is so cute, though. Oh, he <laughs> is cute. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Look at those dumb Aww. arms. I love him. Wow. <laughs> My <sighs> the most unsettling part about Bonzi is that. Um, he like talked like he had a voice and it was creepy. Oh, oh I'm <laughs> <Bonzi. Why>? yeah. <laughs> Do you like Papa Bad? <laughs> Do you like malware? <laughs> a little. Um. So Bonzi Buddy was unavailable for download in 2007, which was four years after the company shut down. Which is I don't know why they still kept it up until mm. then. Um, but they did. Uh, so nowadays we're all familiar with how much the internet and companies such as Google and Apple have literally us literally all by the neck. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. they've literally done this exact same thing to all of us, like before breakfast. Yes. <laughs> but like I said, nobody knew that this was the direction that the internet would go through like 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and so it was very surprising to them when they were like, What? People can do that? <laughs> they can take our information? Yeah, it turns out if you're big enough and you make enough money, no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Um, so Bonzi, Buddy, Bonzi Buddy had a short revival in 2014 with the YouTube channel Vine Sauce, because um, they had a, seri- a YouTube series going on where they would use different what? programs to try to completely destroy Windows XP. <laughs> oh my god. That's pretty funny. I do um, approve. <laughs> so it's still available to download um, through third-party websites, and the games, jokes, and pop-ups are all still intact. So I'd like to finish this segment with a joke from Bonzi himself uh, <laughs> that I found. So, what did the digital clock say to the grandfather clock? What? Look, Pa, no hands. <laughs> 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 That okay is pretty funny. <laughs> it's pretty it's funny. a good joke. It's a good joke. Okay, the booch is done. All right. So <laughs> no more booch. No more booch. All right. Today we are talking about the Ford Sociological Department. Oh my god. Oh. Yes. For this, I used two sources. 
one of them was the um, dissertation Deconstructing Fordism by Georges Lozides. L O I Z I D E S. Thank you. Um, and then the article When Henry Ford's Benevolent Secret Police Ruled His Workers by Michael Balaban. Mm. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Nice All right, here we go. light read. We love it. Uh, yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> super, super crisp. Very refreshing. For a Sunday afternoon, you know. Yeah. Um, basically, when I don't know what to write about, I just try to dig up shit about Ford. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> In 1903, the Ford Motor Company cemented itself pretty quickly as an American car staple. And in 1910, the assembly line for cars was developed and brand new Fords cost just over $10,000 in today's money. Okay. Mm -hmm. Adjusted for inflation, the cars were more than $40,000 cheaper than their competitors. Wow. So yeah. the, these guys, these other guys selling the cars for $50,000, Ford said, nah, 10000 But, like, whatever it was then, which was, like, I don't know, like, two nickels and some pocket lint. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. Th- I think that, yeah, that, that, that sounds good. Sounds the, good. The daily yeah. newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, let's see. Oh, Ford cars exploded in popularity, and the Ford company begins to realize that they need to exponentially increase their workforce to over 14,000 people. Despite never having more than 15,000 people employed at one time, Ford hired more than 52,000 people in one year. So they hired 52,000 people in one year, but at any given time, there were never more than 15,000 people working for Ford. Nice. Which is wild. This means that yeah. turnover was really high yeah. because not only was the job shitty, it was really dangerous. They had bad hours and pay was shit. Mm-hmm. Oof, I don't but like that. that is not nice. I know. Uh, <laughs> so the Ford company decided we need to do something about this. And in the beginning of 1914, Henry Ford himself doubled their minimum wage to $5 a day, which is about $117 a day today, or about $15 an hour for an eight-day work week. Work day. Wouldn't that be oh. nice? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not the best, but you know. No, it's not the Better best, but like, I don't know what like the purchasing power of $15 was back in the day, like adjusted for inflation, but like that's more than a lot of people make right now. You could buy out True. the entire ice cream parlor. <laughs> <laughs> This minimum wage hike really ended up shaking up the automotive industry, but these Ford assembly workers didn't just automatically get this $15 an hour. They had to actually qualify for it. And now we get into the super shitty part. Yay. Ford, not as in the company, as in the man, stipulated that the employees had to be employed at Ford for six months. Okay. But... Their personal life had to be as sterile as their work life. Mm. A quote. Excuse me? Yeah, here we go. Sterile. A quote from the article I read said, to qualify for his doubled salary, the worker had to be thrifty and continent. He had to keep his home neat and his children healthy. And if he were below the age of 22, to be married. What? Huh. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, so basically what, what he's saying be, here. They have to be below, if they were younger than 22, they had to be married or older than 22. So if they were older than 22, they had to have children, a clean home, uh, healthy kids, and a wife. If they were Absolutely 22. Not. Yeah, if they were 22 and under, they just had to be married. That's wild. Oh my Which God. already gross, icky. Yeah. But, the, okay, how is Ford supposed to ensure that all of this is happening, right? That all of his employees are being these upstanding white Americans that he envisions in their home if he's only privy to their, like, their work life at the plant, right? How did he do it, Emily? Well, <laughs> enter the Ford Sociological Department. Oh, God. Ford hired 50 investigators, which eventually became 200, to probe every aspect of his plant workers' lives. No. And this was not not a level of scrutiny that wealthy employees and employees making above this minimum wage were subjected to. Of course. It was just the poor employees. What Um, what does it... I guess so they could have, like, a good face quote for the Ford company. But, like, who the fuck You represent the company. He's so fucked up. I hate this man. Investigators would show up at your home for a surprise visit to ensure you were married to a woman with children (laughs) and that your wife did not have a job. Stop. Okay. Ooh, yeah. God, for, God forbid y'all dual income. Ooh, I know. Spooky. They would sit you down and ask you about your personal finances, your alcohol consumption, and like go over receipts to see what you spent your money on. And they would even drop by your kid's school to make sure that you weren't lying about them. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so creepy. Yeah. Bro, yeah. Imagine. Could you? I'm not... Like, if I ever get in fi- into a fight in public with someone, like, of disagreement, I'm not going to be like, oh, by the way, I work at Baskin Robbins, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I'm not misrepresenting the company if they don't know where I fucking work. Yeah, so I touched on this a little bit at the end, but I don't think it was so much that Ford was worried about the company's image as much as it was that he had these very staunch beliefs about what Americans and American life should be like. And he was a man with a great deal of wealth and power who was going to use his power to subject others to his ideals. Ah, so it wasn't, it was, it was like, it was a power play. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that he was worried about the way that Ford would look. It was that he was a racist fuck who yes. <laughs> was like a terrible anti-Semite and hated women and was a union buster. Like it was just he was just a terrible person who wanted people to look like how he wanted them to look like. Well, it's It usually ends up being a power play, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And he actually had the power to do it. Hmm. Thank All God right. We got Ford Truck Month. <laughs> uh, excuse you, Straight Pride Month. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, all right. As bad as this was, and it was bad for these employees, it was even worse for immigrant workers. Mm-hmm. Um, in the dissertation I read, one of the points that he wanted to make is that Ford had a clear distinction between like. 
um, like race and ethnicity and basically too long didn't read, they would hire European immigrants because there was this belief that they could be, you know, that you could instill American values in them and that you could make them into these like bastions of society, but you could not do that with people who weren't white. So they, yeah, so they did not hire uh, anyone who was not like a European immigrant or white. Okay. Yep. All right. These people suck. So uh, one of the problems with hiring immigrant workers is that sometimes they don't speak English. And so the Ford English School was established as a subdivision of the sociological department that worked to teach immigrant employees English Okay. As well as enforce American nationalism mm. and assimilation into, quote, American Whoa. culture. Oh, no, no, no. Bitch, yep. what culture? <laughs> We've been over this. We've talked about the candle jello thing. <laughs> the pudding with the candle and, and the, the cherry. Mayonnaise it was. and potatoes. The mayonnaise. The cottage and- cheese. <sighs> Uh, this is another so okay apparently after they finished this you know English school I couldn't find if they were paid for it or not I don't know Uh, they had like a graduation ceremony right and this is a quote from the article I read about this graduation ceremony the culmination of the Ford English School program was the graduation ceremony where students were transformed into Americans. What the fuck? It gets fuck? worse. What? It gets worse. During the ceremony, speakers gave rousing patriotic speeches and factory bands played marches and patriotic songs. The highlight of the event would be the transformation of immigrants to Americans. It gets worse. Students dressed in costumes reminiscent of their native homes stepped into a massive stage prop cauldron that had a banner across the front identifying it as the American melting pot. Stop. Seconds later, after a quick change out of sight of the audience, students emerged wearing American suits and hats, waving American flags, having undergone a spiritual smelting process where the (laughs) impurities of foreignness were burnt off as slag to be tossed away, leaving a new 100% American. As a spiritual smelting process is what you said, correct? Mm-hmm. That uh, is that gross? Uh, yeah, that's so yeah, that's, that's so gross. disgusting. I don't know if y'all are I, on this side of TikTok or not, but I've recently seen a lot of TikTok videos talking about how like white supremacy and white nationalism has erased like European cultural uniqueness, um, and how mm-hmm. uh. I, I, I can't speak to it. Like, I, this is not something I've studied. It's just ideas I have absorbed. Um, but yeah, so you talk about how, like, in order to create a white identity, a lot of really unique European cultures and, like, aesthetics and practices had to be whitewashed and bleached um, in favor of this, like, dominant white culture. And uh, when I read this, I, I thought a lot about that. And about how we we so often require people to give up what is unique and important about their cultural identity in favor of this American identity and this cultural American melting pot. 
Hmm. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> God. <sighs> Sorry, I, I I thought this was the podcast where you're supposed to get drunk. I didn't mean to like oof. No, I'm yeah, still so drunk. Now I'm just back. I'm just <laughs> drunk and upset, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woof. Uh, one of the, I guess, pros of this new minimum wage was supposed to be that employees could finally afford to buy a Ford car, right? They could finally afford to buy a car at the company they worked for, mm-hmm. but not quite. Oh. Because to buy a Ford vehicle, all Ford employees had to ask permission from the Ford company to purchase one of their inexpensive cars. Why? Why would um, that matter? Like, it's free, basically free business. Like, the company required that you were married with children before they would sell you a car. No. Was this yeah. just for the for the poor employees? Or was this for everybody who would buy? Um, a I don't. Car? It didn't specify. So I'm not 100% sure. However, knowing what I know about American corporate life, especially in the early 1900s, um, and honestly, even now, I would not be surprised if it was just, like, factory worker, like, assembly line employees. Yeah. Like, blue-collar jobs. Yeah. Uh, This all sounds pretty shitty, right? However, despite these really invasive demands, a lot of people, especially immigrants, took the jobs because they couldn't find better elsewhere. Turnover plummeted from 370% to just 16%. Hmm. Uh. Excuse me. <laughs> and then I talk about how, you know, Ford, Ford exploited the needs of a vulnerable workforce to impose his own ideas and beliefs and control on their personal lives, on what their personal lives looked like according to his whims. So, period. Uh, I'm done. It's, I'm done. Close Finished. doc. yeah god yeah yikes eventually it was like i think uh, eventually it became like too expensive for them to keep up um and so the sociological society or department was shut down eventually that's basically what it is (laughs) basically is did they also have to keep tabs on each other Ooh, like the kgb no i I don't think they did (laughs) who kept tabs on them you know Everyone's watching someone. Mm. Mm. God damn it. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Shitface Facts. If you want to keep up with us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at SHTFacedFacts. That's Shitface Facts with no I. And if you want to shoot us an email with drink recommendations or topics you think we should learn more about, you can email us at shtfacedfacts at gmail.com. And if you're not bored, uh, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, no more two stars. <laughs> no more two stars. If you would like to leave us a voice message with even more drink and topic recommendations, you can go to anchor.fm slash shtfacefacts. That's shitfacefacts with no I. Or are you done? Yeah. Oh, and, and remember, there's no I in team and there's no I in shit. Mm-hmm.